fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. And go. Is it recording? It's recording. There's no song for this one, so I can't. We can't start with the jingle. There's the um, Marvel's theme song. Sing it. I don't know it. See, me yeah, either. yeah, exactly. That's because we are not the Marvel generation. No. Now listen. As you know, I tried to watch all of them in chronological order. There's like 52 of them. Yeah. And I don't know what happened. I think I got bored. We watched probably like, I want to say Black Panther was the last one in order. Or Ant-Man, which I didn't like Ant-Man. And then I gave up. It's just a lot. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a very big investment that if you if you try to catch up at this point, it's too hard. It's it's a lot. I understand the same thing about people who are like, I can't start Harry Potter right now because I just feel like it's too big of an investment. But I was like. But even then, it's seven or eight. Seven if you're doing the books, eight if you do the movies. It's it's not 42 or however many there are. And we're talking about this because today we're we're talking about Thor and Loki. Thor and Loki, which could be two different episodes. but I was going to say that. But in the Marvel movies. They're very connected. Yeah. And Loki has a new show. So maybe maybe we'll give him his own episode later. Who? Loki. Loki. Yeah, we could. I I need to watch the series because I love love Loki. Yeah, I like Loki too. And in the actual Norse mythology, he's a character. Some creepy stuff is occurring. Yeah, which we'll we'll dabble in a little bit of that today. So this is from Norse mythology, and when it comes to the Norse gods, there are a few more famous than Thor, god of thunder, and Loki, god of mischief. So of course we talked about this. This is they're a large part of the Marvel universe. Marvel has mm. made Norse mythology popular again. I also haven't seen the newest Thor movie, Chase did, and he said it wasn't that good. See, I've only it's seen kind of pointless. I've only seen I think the first two and there's like three or four or five. Yeah. There's just there's more and more. When it comes to Norse gods oh, I already read that, sorry. Um the same can also be said about the Vikings, um, as the hammer wielding god of thunder and lightning was equally as popular in ancient Norse as he is today. We even have him to thank for one of our days of the week, Thursday, which comes from the old Norse meaning Thor's day. All of, we borrow all of the days of the week from Norse mythology, mm-hmm. all of our planets. Let me try and guess. Monday is from, um, that, that, okay. That one's a trick, a kind of a trick one. Okay. Let me do another one. Tuesday is from, um, being, uh, you know what? I don't know my th- Norse mythology. Mo- Monday is Moon's Day. It's the day uh-huh. of the moon. Tuesday is Tyr's Day. There's a character named Tyr, T-Y-R. Uh-huh. Wednesday is Woden's Day or Odin. Sometimes he's pronounced uh-huh. Woden, yeah. so Woden's Day, Wednesday. Thursday is Thor's Day. Friday is either Freya or Freya, Freya's yeah. Day. And then Saturday. Saturn. I, maybe. I can't remember Saturday now. But Sunday. And then Sunday is the sun. So you've got the sun and the moon. Uh-huh. And then, nice. Yeah. There you go. 
So Thor, we're not talking about all those characters, although we no. could every day of the week. Mm-hmm. We could do a different Thor's one. Day. Thor, Thor's Day. Thor is the son of Odin, who's also known as the Allfather. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the earliest attested deities in the Norse pantheon. And references to him go all the way back as far as the first century CE when Roman writings referred to him as Jupiter. So I talked about mm-hmm. the planets as well. All of the planets are from Roman yep. gods. Everything. So Ju- Jupiter for Roman is Zeus for Greek, mm-hmm. apparently is Thor for Norse. There you go. Thor had a magical belt called the Mayan guard. I can't wait for you to press but pronounce all of these. Okay, in my defense, though, I taught a mythology class in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So I actually do, I actually, like, I actually might have a shot this time. But can you sound like an angry Viking in Pro- all of them? Probably not, but... Mayangard. The Mayangard. Mayangard. Which this means power belt, so just picture, you know, like pro wrestlers and the belts Mm. that they have. Yep. This was said to double his already brutal strength whenever he was wearing it. Mm -hmm. His chief weapon, however, was the Mjolnir, which is the grinder or the crusher. It's just like the hammer looking thing. Mm -hmm. Besides spitting thunderbolts and laying waste to obstacles and enemies, Mjolnir could also resurrect the dead but apparently only in certain cases. It's like case-by-case basis. Only when he wants to. In order to wield his mighty hammer, Thor wore iron gloves named the yard grippers or iron... Yard clippers. Yard clippers or yard... Similar. Yeah, iron grippers is what translates to. So while these three items were the ones most associated with the thunder god, Thor also possessed a staff which was known as the Gridolver. Nailed it. Um, sure. And But he didn't really use it, so that's why. He, I feel like I would use the staff the most. Like, just Gandalf-looking son of a gun. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I think I'd go Mar- with the staff. Marvel was like, eh, staff's already been taken. Mm-hmm. And, and Marvel, well, the... Uh, the iron gloves aren't really cool. that cool. No. Um, because the glove is like, uh, what's his name? The blue guy. Um, he has the glove with all the... Um, the jewels on it. What yeah. is his name? Oh God, we call Whitney his name. Why? Why can I not think of his name? Oh my gosh, I can't either. Uh, this is embarrassing. Oh, what is his name? It starts with a TH, doesn't it? No, that's Thor. Um, Thanos. Thanos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanos has the glove. So yeah, we couldn't. We couldn't have like a good glove and a bad mm-hmm. glove. And you can only hold the hammer and move it if you're Thor right. or Captain America, because he's also worthy. I'm sorry if that All, was a also worthy. Yeah. We digress. Mm-hmm. Thor. Also rode a chariot that was pulled by goats. Another little uh, fun fun product of his, mm-hmm. the goat-pulled chariots. And ironically, Thor would regularly slaughter these goats and eat them. He's a hungry guy. That's one of his characteristics. There's a strength, right? Mm-hmm. And But then he would resurrect them with Mjolnir so that they could continue to pull his chariots, which that's just a great setup yeah. for him. Get a free meal. Get free gas. Right. Call it a day. Right. You never have to pay for anything. Mm-hmm. But it is it, it's this description that many people think Thor might be some original inspiration for Santa. Mm. Santa, a goat Reindeer, Santa. goats, yeah. chariot, sled. They also, in all of the early depictions, he has red hair. But in mm-hmm. the movies, he has blonde hair. Yeah. I, I don't think um, Marvel did a very good job like going with what the text says about the way he looks. Yeah. Yeah. He's not like this handsome blondie mm-hmm. he's chris like a, hemsworth he's like a big fat redhead so ripped yeah like, and otherworldly ripped yeah and i don't 
I mean, they talk about they talk about his strength, but they don't in like old text. But they don't really talk about like his six pack. They don't talk, yeah, about his rippling. Yeah, abs. he's more like like massive strength, not uh, like muscle strength. Yeah. Anyway, given his substantial strength, Thor was in charge of keeping Asgard safe, and Asgard is like the stronghold of the Aesir, which is one of the two main clans of the Norse deities. So Asgard's like their. Uh, their home, their mm-hmm. world. It's like that in the movie. Yep. So that's on track. Uh, yep. They got that part right, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, while there are a lot of characters within Norse mythology, there's really the two main groups. You have the Aesir, which is the gods or the pantheon, and then you've got the um, Jotnir, which is the giants. The gods and the giants. The gods and the giants, which, again, mytho- Greek mythology has gods and giants. Mm-hmm. Roman mythology has gods and giants. The Bible has... David and Goliath. Gi- the giants, yeah. Yeah. The Aesir and the Jotnir have a literal love-hate relationship, so they are just as likely to fight as they are to marry each other and have children. We love a frenemy. Yeah, the original frenemy. Mm-hmm. In Norse mythology, Loki is one of the one that causes just as much confusion as he does in the Marvel movies. So he mm-hmm. is god of mischief, so they also got that part right. In Norse mythology, Loki is best known as the trickster god or the god of mischief. And a lot of times he uses his cunning abilities to help out the Aesir when they are in trouble. But then other times he's the reason that they're in trouble in the first place. I wish, looking back on it, had I not had a presidential theme for all of my animals, please just guess which one I would name. Loki. George. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He is Loki. So that means Mm -hmm. Reagan would be Thor? He's because he's big. And he loves to eat. Brute strength. He'd eat a goat if he could fit it in his mouth. Done. Let's Mm -hmm. rename them now. Unlike the movies, uh, in Norse mythology, Thor and Loki were not blood brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, Although the stories do often tell of shenanigans that involve the two together. That's one of the main things they got wrong in the movie. Yeah. But they they, like stuck with it. Mm -hmm. They were like, yeah, we're going to do this. In the old Norse textbook called the Prose Edda, it recounts a tale of a bored and mischievous Loki who decides to mess with Thor by cutting off his wife's hair. She had this long, beautiful golden hair. Thor was married to Sif, the golden-haired goddess of earth and harvest. One day, while she was asleep, Loki creeps up, chops off her famous golden locks, and when Thor finds out what happened, he is not amused. He is irate, and he attacks Loki. Um, Loki decided to decided it best that he would try to make amends because Thor was upset. So he goes beneath the earth to find dwarves who are famous for their craftsmanship abilities, and eventually returns with the a like headdress or wig of golden hair, mm-hmm. as well as Thor's famous hammer, Mjolnir. So he tried to make amends. So he's the reason Thor even has his hammer, right? Hey, but both, I mean, it, which is a good thing, but it was born out of a bad thing because he cut off his wife's hair. And it reminds me of Samson. Yep. Samson's hair. Yep. Samson's hair. Samson by Regina Spector. Great song. Play it right now. Mm-hmm. In another Norse poem, um, the Aegir, the, or Agir, the ocean giant, was hosting a huge feast for all the gods of the Aesir. So I guess this is probably like their... Um, Poseidon character. Mm-hmm. When Loki arrived, he quickly ruined the party by killing several of the servants. Well, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. And then threw insults at everyone there. So he turned it into a roast. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the arrival of an angry Thor, who was late to the feast, that Loki decided to change his tune. Uh, Thor threatened to knock Loki's head off with the hammer 
if he didn't stop with the verbal abuse. So Loki took his leave from the feast, admitting that Thor's threats were the only ones he feared. Yep. Not not because it was his brother, though. Mm-mm. Just because it was Thor. There was one occasion when Thor and Loki joined forces, and that is a tale told in the poem Primsvita. Nice. Uh, I don't know what there's that weird... K, there's a K in there somewhere, though. And that weird O with the oh, see, weird I, mark I over it, was a, it. I thought it was a D. Oh. Th- that P could be a D. That O could be a D. Yeah. Anyway, in this tale, Thor awoke to find his beloved hammer gone missing. After telling Loki of the theft, the pair decided to visit the goddess Freya and ask if she if they could borrow her feather cloak to help track down the missing weapon. So Freya agreed, and Loki flew off with the cloak. At first, I was thinking it was like a cloak of invisibility, but I think it's just like it helps them fly. Yeah. But I would, I would think if you were a god, you could fly anyway. But Yeah, apparently not. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Loki eventually discovers the hammer in the possession of a king named Pier- Prim. Uh, he had stolen the hammer with the hope that it could be traded back for Freya's hand in marriage. Let's see what he did there. Mm-hmm. So Loki relays the message back to Thor, who then agrees and insists that Freya needs to marry uh Prim, mm-hmm. that's what I'm going with, mm-hmm. so that he could get his hammer back. I mean, what, what does it matter to Thor? He's like, yeah, get married. Yeah. Give me my hammer back. After the goddess flatly refused, however, all the gods met to come up with a game plan. Mm-hmm. So this plan would involve cross-dressing, yep. of all things. Mm-hmm. Thor actually was going to dress up as a bride. He would pretend to be Freya, while Loki would go as in disguise as the the maid and her. they if they haven't redone this scene in the Marvel movies which the ones I have seen they haven't they so in the to. ones you haven't but one, you haven't seen all the Thor movies so maybe they I have. just haven't seen the newest the newest one. one yeah yeah this would be a great scene mm-hmm. for them to re- recreate it's also like one of the most famous stories of like the Thor Loki mm-hmm. hammer scene so remember after so after initially refusing. I mean, so Freya refused the marriage. This is the plan. Then Thor initially refuses this plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was eventually persuaded by Loki and to to play along, and the plan was set into action. So the pair, they dress up, full-blown mm-hmm. drag, if you will. Yep. Um, and they are ready for a wedding. Mm-hmm. Now, Prim, or Pure... I'm still going to... I think that we could go like with Prim. Prim. Okay. Yeah. So he hosted a feast to mark the arrival, um, and with Thor's face hidden by a bridal veil, the king just—he had no idea. He couldn't tell from Thor's tell. stocky bod, and uh, maybe, yeah. maybe Freya is. Maybe Freya, yeah, has got some meat on her bones. Maybe she does. Thor's insatiable appetite. Remember, we talked about how he likes to eat. Nearly gave their plan up, as if I mean, if it weren't up to Loki's quick thinking. So Thor's just like eating everything. I think Loki, he, I think I read he shoveled like an ox into his mouth and like 18 different fish and something like it was very yeah. specific what he was eating, but he was chowing down yeah, probably a couple goats in there. Mm-hmm. So Loki has to think quickly on his feet and he explains to Prim that Freya's or Loki, Thor's that Freya's hunger was due to her not eating for eight days because she was just so excited about the upcoming wedding. Mm-hmm. So he was excited. Like, yeah. He was like, sure. So Prim's sister then appeared and requested the wedding ceremony commence she asked for the bridal, the bridal gift to be brought out. So Mjolnir, remember Mjolnir was this gift. Um, so the Mjolnir was then placed into the lap of Thor, who was dressed up as the bride, mm-hmm. who was just, you know, chuckling to himself, mm-hmm. 
because he got exactly what he wanted. And then he wielded his hammer to a devastating effect, slaying everybody in attendance. There you go. So wedding turn. Don't steal Thor's hammer. Massacre. Yeah. Um, uh, eventually, Loki becomes more of an enemy than a friend. Uh, you've got a lot of the playful stories, but he eventually becomes a little bit more nefarious. Mm-hmm. He actually fathers three famous monstrous children with the Jotun uh, Angerboda. Uh, first, her, her name is yeah, her old na- Angerboda. Yeah, her name sounds like mm-hmm. a monster. So one one child was Fenrir, which is the giant wolf. Which, what are you going to say? Harry Potter. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. That's where they I get yep. Fenrir. Yep. There the Death go. Eater. Mm-hmm. Then you have uh, Jormungandr, which is the world serpent. It was so long it could stretch all the way around the world mm-hmm. and still bite its tail. Which the world is called Midgard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was like the, the mid-serpent. Mm-hmm. It would go all the way around. And last you had Hela, who was a female who presides over the underworld. There so kind of like a Kind of like a female version of um, Hades. Can I say that I also read a story. There's another famous thing that he birthed. Oh, oh, and yeah. Loki actually gave birth to it. He, he either he turned himself because he had like shape shifting abilities. Uh-huh. He turned himself into a mare, and was impregnated by a male horse, mm-hmm. and gave birth to an eight legged horse who became Odin's favorite uh, steed. Yeah. So he changed himself into a female horse and then had sex with a male horse and then had a, an eight-legged horse. Mm-hmm. You know how mythology, like, explains things to yeah. people at the time? Yeah. Like, it relates to earthly situations? What what did that knowledge I don't bring? Know. I don't know. Because sometimes mythology is used to, like, explain the unexplainable where they mm-hmm. would just... They would just use what they did know about the world to explain things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I but mean, that is still unexplainable there. Norse, so. Celtic, you know, the Scandinavian world. Might, uh, yeah. Might have, I don't know what they're doing over there, but. I don't know. Sladivari. Yeah. The horse's name. name. Something like that. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't. Yeah. It's just a little I don't strange. Know. A we just kind of breeze past that mm-hmm. one because we, we don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. Then comes the famous Ragnarok, which means the fate of the gods. So this is the cataclysmic destruction of the cosmos and everything in it, including the gods. Just all hell breaks loose. Right. And do you want to know who is responsible for starting it? Mm -hmm. Ragnarok is set into motion in the myth of by the death of Baldur. So this is one of Odin's sons. Baldur is killed when Loki tricks the blind god Hodur into throwing a sharpened branch of mistletoe at Balder during a celebration. Apparently, Balder like couldn't be killed by anything mm-hmm. in, except, except, for, except mistletoe. for mistletoe. Yeah, um, and um, he like tricked mm-hmm. a different god into killing him. So Loki is the so Loki's the cause yeah. of this. Yeah, mm-hmm. Odin imprisons Loki underneath the earth, uh, bound his in the entrails of some of his own children. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you like them apples? Yeah. They also set a poisonous snake above his head that would slowly drip venom in, onto his face and his body, which would cause writhing agony and that would shake the very foundations of the earth. And this is how they explained earthquakes. Okay. Was Loki underneath the ground just having poison mm-hmm. dripped on him. Loki eventually breaks free and he joins the Jotun, um, the Jotun or the giants, and he fights with them against the Aesir. And in the battles, he captains the Nag- Nagalfar, mm-hmm. um, a mythological ship made from the nail clippings of the dead. What else would it be made of? 
I mean, sure. Mm-hmm. We like that. Yeah, yeah, fingernails are strong. Got they a are. lot of what keratin. Yep. Yep. Might as well. Especially if you've got, you know, just all of all the dead. That's but you would have to collect a lot of dead people's fingernails. It's really gross. Mm-hmm. As the final battle of the gods and the giants was raging, Thor and the world serpent kill one another while Odin is devoured by Fenrir, one of Loki's children, mm-hmm. the wolf wolf guy. The wolf guy. Loki and Heimdall, who is the watchman of the gods, they face one another in battle, mm-hmm. mortally wounding one another before the world is destroyed by, you guessed it, fire and flood. Mm-hmm. Every, everybody has, has a flood a, story. Everybody's got a fire story. Everybody's got a flood story. Thor's popularity persists into this present era. Obviously, Marvel has helped with that, but folklore about Thor is common among contemporary Scandinavians who believed that his lightning frightens off trolls and other creatures of the Jotnar. I know that Norway is really big into trolls from the exhibit at uh, Epcot. Got oh. trolls everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, th- I didn't know that. There's a troll in the dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> and um, have we done an episode on trolls? No. We need to. There you go. We need mm-hmm. to. Evidence of Thor's popularity and status as a role model can be seen clearly in Iceland today, where more than a quarter of the founding population have some form of his name in theirs. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Thorkill or Thorgist. Common names. I don't know anybody named no. Thor or something. No. Thorn, maybe. You know somebody named Thorn? No, but that's a dope name. Better than Thorgist. Fern Gully. Anyway. That doesn't have Thor in it. I know, but it's. I feel like it goes with the vibe. Oh, okay. Episode on Fern Godley coming up. You heard it here mm-hmm. first. Hundreds of hammer amulets have been discovered in Viking graves and other Norse archaeological sites. The Norsemen continue to wear these hammer amulets even after converting to Christianity, which suggests that Thor's role as a hero and protecting influence has not diminished, mm-hmm. even with the change of religion. In these Norse tales, the end of the world at Ragnarok is inevitable. So the Vikings lived with the knowledge that their world would end, which every world will end. Mm-hmm. But in the Marvel Universe, MCU, MCU, we don't know how it ends. So they have a movie, mm-hmm. a Ragnarok movie. Um, and Ragnarok took place already, but the Asgardians still live on. Mm-hmm. So Thor has an extra movie. Right. So it's not end of the world, apparently, mm-hmm. in the Marvel Universe, because that would be the end of the Monday. Mm-hmm. So there is still hope that Loki will prove to be a good guy. Maybe he saves the world. Maybe the other superheroes will save the world from whatever mayhem he's caused. Most likely. Will Loki end up... He'll Maybe he'll cause all of the problems and then save the world. Yeah, that sounds most likely. He can be best of both worlds. You get the best of both worlds. Um, while the Vikings Loki causes the end of the world today, again, like I said, maybe he'll save it, maybe not. This is just kind of the role of the trickster. You can kind of decide what you want them to do because mm-hmm. you never know what they're going to do. I love the character character that's kind of good kind of bad like damon is my favorite vampire from the vampire diaries because he's really bad but he's also good good, yeah who else else is like that there's kind of like you you just can't they keep you on your toes yeah and i think i think that uh the marvel universe could really use him to their advantage Mm -hmm. to just keep their thousand movie streak going uh, they better have that. The world ends. Scene. The world is recreated. The yep. hammer, the hammer will like just yep. revive everybody from death. Mm-hmm. 
And then they just keep going. I'm going to go after you leave here. I'm going to turn on Loki and watch it. See what happens. The TV, I've been the waiting TV show to do the movie. Yeah. Yeah. The TV show. I think, I think we should do a whole separate episode on Loki. I mean, we talked about some of his famous stories, but he's got yeah. some, he's got some, some special details we mm-hmm. could share about him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I go. have a very aptly themed snack break. We do. So excited. And then we have an aptly themed yeah. True. Yeah. As yeah. always. As always. B B R B. B R B. Uh oh. Are I we just, back? Or is it going? I just went like dark in my in my headphones for a second. Is it still dark? No. She's back. All She's right. Back. It wasn't ready for the snack break. Today we are eating. The Marvel has, or these Cake Bites brand has a Marvel line, and these are the Hulk Smash Cake Bites, and it says, great for birthdays. Yeah, they are cute. The packaging, well done. Yes, and they, they do are, have, they do make Thor ones and they, Captain Thor, America. Captain America, I think Black Panther. Yeah, I saw those. Those look dope. They, yeah, they make a bunch of them. But alas, I could only find the Hulk ones in store, so that's what we're trying today, and they are have with some apple jelly in them. They're Ooh. they're green cakes. Here you go. Which also, again, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, you're just in all. Oh, we need to do a Hulk episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have purple and white sprinkles, and then vanilla cake, and let me see what else. Colorful. Did, did you cut these, or were they already pre-sliced? Pre-sliced. So it's come, the one little package has like three little snack bites in it, mm-hmm. and the pa- and there's more packages on the inside. Yeah. They smell a little sus. They, yeah. What is it? What is that? They don't smell like apple. Cake. Uh, and they don't look, it looks like not cake. What is, what is, cheers. Okay, okay ready? <sighs> not the best. Um, you said there's jelly in here? Apple jelly. I mean, I'm going to eat the rest of it, but I won't eat. I don't get apple jelly at all. Mm. I won't have another. That is weird. It is like, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not cake Mm-mm. consistency, Mm-mm. but it's not jelly consistency. Who makes these? Not it America. Is, it is like a, it is like oh. a, first of all, it does not look like, the, the mm. filling does not look as cakey as the box does. Yeah. That box is very cakey. It's like a weird in between of cake and jelly. Yeah. You know? All right. Cookies Textures. Unlimited, LLC. It's made in New York. Now, if the South made these, we'd have that going on. They taste like apple pie. All right. I yeah, think, I'm a little thrown off by that. Yeah. It's not my favorite. It's not worth 260 calories. I'm sure kids would love it at a birthday party. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to pack these in my lunch. Probably not. Mm. I'm going to give the rest to the trash can. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I'm gonna go get give some, me a little big sip of water. Yeah, I'm gonna go get some water. And uh, I give those. Maybe a, I bet the Thor ones are better. Not doubtful. Maybe if I the consistency was good, and I just didn't like the taste, but the consistency is not it. Yeah, the consistency is not it. I give that a four out of ten. That's more than I thought you were gonna give. I was gonna give it, it like a two. Okay. It's not. It, it's, it's not macaroni and cheese ice cream. No. Okay. But it. It's. Same genre as those strawberry unicorn cake yes, things. And those were amazing. amazing. That's so what that, that is trying to that, be. This is what that's trying to be. 
So that company needs to give this company yeah. a couple of notes. A call. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Okay. There we go. On to a, a grizzly murder. We're back and we're eating troll sour crawl crawler gummies. I had to get another snack mm-hmm. to get that taste of my mouth. Water wasn't going to do it. Yeah. Mm. That was not. She. Mm. That was not pleasant. You know what else isn't pleasant? Well, yeah. <laughs> the true crime today. Mm-hmm. Today we are talking about the Colorado Hammer Killer. Because the word's hammer. Yeah. Do you think he named his hammer? I don't know. Let me say this. Oh, dang it. What? Theodore saw you and now he's barking. Hopefully, we'll just let that pass. Being killed by a hammer. It's one of the worst ways to go. One of the worst ways. And I'm going to pause it just real quick and go tell Theodore to hush his mouth and we'll be right back. We're back. Um, Theodore, do you have something to say about your rude entrance? Nope. Nope. He was panting. He said no, he said and you no. might be able to hear him panting. Now my microphone is wet. He said no comment. No comment. Yeah, you can definitely hear it. <laughs> lay, lay down, buddy. Lay down. He said, but I want to talk to you, Hannah. Oh, no. Anyways, I was saying that being hit in the head and like bludgeoned with a hammer, because you got the round end and then you got the clawed end. Mm-hmm. Whew. Not pleasant. In January of 1984, a string of brutal attacks in Colorado caused terror throughout the state. And authorities and residents were wondering who was responsible, obviously. And while four people were ended up being murdered, others survived to tell their stories. See, because so, that's the other thing. A hammer is not super, like, efficient. No. Well, so I mean... You could be efficient with it. You could, but also, like, it's not a, it's not a, a quick kill. No. So you have you gotta the potential for beating. survivors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 1984, Kim and married Jim Hobbinschild, and the two settled into their home in Aurora, Colorado. And at the time, she was only 21 years old and just enjoying life with her husband, her friends, and her pet dog. There you go, Theodore. On brand today, Theodore. But a few days after the new year, Kim and Jim were the victims of a harrowing experience that would change their lives forever. During the early hours of January 4th, 1984, Jim was making some music tapes. Dates. Dates this story. 80s. uh, While Kim went to bed early. And Jim eventually went to bed around 2 a.m., but he had forgotten to lock the garage door. And the two were awakened in the middle of the night by a man attacking them with a hammer. It's my worst nightmare. Yeah, I hate this. Jim woke up to the hammer just slamming him straight in the face. And the attacker then flung the same weapon at Kim, which gave her a concussion. The attacker fled the scene while an injured Jim, who's just a total boss apparently, got up and ran after him while Kim called 911. However, the authorities were never able to find the person responsible, or at least not yet. So, yikes. Just imagine getting woke not. up to a hammer in the face. Which also, like you said, good for Jim. Like, yeah. Just getting not, up. Yeah. Hammer to the face, getting up, rallying. He was fine. Yeah. So six days later, the perpetrator would make his next move. When her daughter was divorced in 1983, 50-year-old Patricia Louise Smith 
moved in with her daughter and two young grandchildren to a townhome in Colorado. Patricia and her family were actually from rural Nebraska, and she wanted to help her daughter and grandchildren adjust to a faster-paced urban lifestyle. So Patricia left her husband back in Nebraska, where he had a government job, and she settled in with her daughter in Colorado. But to keep herself busy, she started her own interior design business, and her husband would just visit on the weekends. She just said, deuces, Bob. She's helping I'll her see kid. you later. Patricia, her daughter, and two grandchildren rented a townhome at 12610 W. Bayard Avenue in Lakewood. And after three and a half months, they had kind of established a routine. Patricia and her daughter, Sherry, would drop the children off at school, and then Patricia would drop Sherry off at the bus station. And in the evening, the process was reversed, so she would pick Patricia up from the bus station. And Patricia was always on time. She was a very dependable person. So... That was until, on January 10th, 1984, Patricia didn't show up at the bus station, and Sherry waited and waited, and she called the house phone multiple times, and no one picked up. But finally, she had to call her cousin, Valerie, who picked her up at the bus station, and together they rushed to the church daycare where she picked up both of her children before heading back home to check on Patricia. And once they arrived, they noticed there weren't any lights on in the home, and it was mostly dark. Except from the driveway, all they could see was a light from a TV flickering in Patricia's bedroom. So the two small kids jostled to get in front of one another. They both wanted to be the one to greet their grandmother first. So they are the first ones who burst into the home, unfortunately. And that is where they find the 50-year-old woman, Patricia, lying on the floor near a sofa about three to four feet from the front door. So they see her pretty instantly. Her body seemed to have been set carefully on a Winnie the Pooh comforter, which was neatly folded on the floor. Part of her head was covered by the blanket, and her body was in a straight line as though she was lying in a casket, and her arms were carefully crossed over her chest, so it looked like she was posed this way. Her jeans had been pulled down, but her boots were still on. She was wearing a sweater, and there was a hammer on the floor next to her body. Me on here. Yeah. No, yeah, meal. No, just kidding. Yeah, Sherry, Sherry, immediately took the children next door, where she called nine one one, and investigators arrive on the scene, at where they conclude that Patricia had been killed somewhere between one p.m. and three p.m., just in the middle of the day. And from the scene, it was clear that Patricia was about to eat lunch when the killer struck. The home had been completely ransacked. The contents of Patricia's purse had been dumped out. And other evidence collected from the scene was Patricia's clothing, the blanket she was lying on, and the carpet underneath her body. However, there were no fingerprints found at the scene. Interesting. When investigators questioned the neighbors, no one had heard a thing, which is strange because this happened in broad daylight. But I guess also people maybe could they be were at work. At work. Yeah. yeah. But school. I also think that shows that she was just attacked, like ambush style, and she was probably out before she had a chance to scream. Yeah. An autopsy revealed that Patricia had been struck 17 times. She did not have any defensive wounds. This most likely meant that she was sexually assaulted after she was unconscious, which was probably better that way. And not that that could be a good situation anyway, but you know what I mean. Right. On the same day, this same exact day, back in Aurora, Donna Holm, who was a flight attendant, had just arrived home after grocery shopping. So she pulls into her garage and is starting to get out of her car when she is bludgeoned in the temple with a hammer. And the blow to the head, obviously it rendered her unconscious. And then the perpetrator pulls her body out of the car. You know, 
the parking brake used to be like right next to the seat and you would pull yeah. it up and it would make like a yeah. sound. He pulled her so hard over the emergency brake that it actually bent it and broke it. Oh. Um, he continued to beat her and then sexually assaulted her before fleeing. And somehow this woman wakes up and she finds herself covered in blood and naked. And she has absolutely no memory of the attack because she just, she never saw it coming. And she just assumes that she had been drunk even though she hadn't been out drinking that day. I was going to say, girlfriend, didn't you just get home from grocery shopping? Right. But she also, when she woke up, as common with head injuries, she was throwing up. So she was like, Mm. I must have just drank too much. Yikes. It takes her a while because she is continuously standing up and passing out, but she is finally able to make it to her bed where she lays down. And this is where she is found the next morning by her boyfriend, Ron. He found her in their bedroom, covered in blood, with a very large injury to the side of her head. So they rush her to the hospital where she is thankfully able to recover. But detectives actually had to deliver the horrible news that her attacker had sexually assaulted her because she had no memory of it. In fact, I was watching a documentary and it was, they were saying how they were describing this situation to Donna and she was crying and saying, I feel so sad for that girl, not realizing that she was the girl they were telling the story about. Yeah. I guess that was some like lingering effects of the concussion Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Due to how much blood was found on the concrete, Donna had been left for dead in the garage, and it was estimated she had been there for several hours just bleeding out. However, it's wintertime. It's in Colorado. It's cold, so they think this is one of the only reasons she was able to survive because her blood was coagulating. When news got out that Donna had lived through the attack, Donna's boyfriend was terrified someone would now come back to finish the job and he said he slept with a gun for months afterwards I, that i feel like that's a valid fear yeah yeah because i mean she I, might could identify i mean mm-hmm. maybe probably not probably but not. like mm-hmm. there is that like lingering idea of like oh crap what if yeah. she could identify i mean me? we sleep with a gun next to our bed and i haven't been through that so i get it yep donna had an extensive recovery where she had to relearn how to do basic things like hold a fork or even speak but she was eventually able to return to her job as a flight attendant a little over a year later. So go Donna. Yay, Donna. Then on January 16th, the Aurora Police Department got a call for the most horrific and violent attack yet. On the morning of January 16th, 1984, Bruce and Deborah Bennett didn't show up for work at the furniture warehouse they worked at. And the couple was known for being very reliable. And when their co-workers called the couple's home, no one answered. So they immediately knew something was up. So they call Bruce's mom, Connie, and when she is unable to get a hold of the family, she gets stressed and heads over to their home. And when she arrived at the house, she notices that the garage door had been left open. Additionally, both of the vehicles, the Bruce and Donna's vehicles, or her name's not Donna, what's her name? Deborah, Deborah. close, were both parked outside. And as she got closer to the house, she immediately knew something was wrong because for one, Deborah's purse was dumped out in front of the home. That's never a good sign. And she also noticed that the door to the garage had been left ajar. So then, see, at this point, I would have stopped and called the police, but... Yeah, same. She enters the home where she finds Bruce's body lying in a pool of blood in the living room, and he is obviously deceased. Evidence would later show that the attack had actually started in the couple's bedroom, and the Bruce and the attacker got into, like, a brawl and fell down the stairs, and several spindles from the banister had been knocked out during the struggle, and the fight ended in the living room where Bruce's throat was slashed. So there is blood literally everywhere. We can post some of the pictures to our Instagram if you're interested in looking at that kind of thing. 
Deborah's body was found in the bedroom. She had been attacked with the hammer and sexually assaulted. And the couple had two daughters, Melissa, who was eight years old, and one who was Vanessa, who was three years old. And Melissa was found in the bedroom with her mother. She had been beaten to death and sexually assaulted. And then there was Vanessa, who they found, who, was also, who had also been beaten. But shocking to everyone, she was still breathing. Oh, gosh. So, um, like I said, both of the, all three of the, the woman and the two young daughters had been sexually assaulted. Vanessa was rushed to the hospital where she was treated for a broken arm, a fractured skull, shattered jaw, and several broken ribs. And she was in a coma for days after the, the attack, and it would take her years before she recovered physically enough to leave the hospital. So the, the fact that she was three and Yikes. able to get through all of that is yeah. miraculous. Yeah. So it had been an absolutely horrific massacre, and law enforcement had estimated the time of the attack as sometime between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m., and again, they checked with the neighbors, and the neighbors didn't hear a thing. But they get in touch with Bruce's brother, who had actually been at the house the night before, and he remembered that when he was leaving, he noticed that the garage door was open, and he let Bruce know, hey, the garage door is open, you need to close it, but he never saw if it was closed before he left. Obviously, it probably wasn't. Yeah. In this case, there are crucial similarities between all of the attacks. There's, so they thought it was all one person. Yeah. yeah. There's the hammer. And then there's the high-risk blitz style of attacking people and getting into homes via open garages and the stealing and robbing of purses. The, yeah, the dumped out purses. Mm-hmm. And As the sexual assault. Yeah. yeah. As well, in each of the attacks, all of the homes had been in newly constructed subdivisions. Oh, heck no. Yeah. An FBI profile was done on the unknown attacker, and they felt like they were looking for a young man because the attacks didn't seem sophisticated or well thought out. All of the crime scenes had been terribly messy, and he had left evidence behind, which led the agents to believe that he was an inexperienced killer. The FBI also thought they were looking for someone who worked in construction, because like I said, these were all in newly constructed houses, Hmm. and they felt that all of the victims were random and chosen out of convenience. The crimes had all happened in quick succession with the killer having attacked someone every week in the month of January. And the people of surrounding Aurora were known to start sleeping in helmets. They were oh just preparing word. for the, the next attack. Yep. That is terrifying. But they never came. And as quickly as the attacks had started, they had just stopped. That is until January 26, 1984 in Kingsman, Arizona. So we've moved down to Arizona. Roy Williams was attacked in the middle of the night. An unknown attacker had come into his house through an unlocked back door, and Roy awoke to a man standing over him. He didn't have a hammer. He had a rock in his hand. Yes, they ran out of hammers at the hammer store. The man sent the rock crashing down on Roy's head, but it didn't knock him out. I imagine that's not as as useful as a hammer. It doesn't have a handle. Yeah. A second blow came down, which broke Roy's ribs. But he was able to get up and chase the man out of the house. Go, Roy. Police came and they investigated, but there was very little to go on because Roy couldn't identify his attacker. It happened in the dark. But what they did find was a very distinct set of shoe prints leading out of Roy's house. The shoe prints were so detailed that the detectives could make out a number nine indicating the shoe size. And they figured out that these were tennis shoes. Well, how do you say tennis shoes? Tennis shoes. Tennis shoes. Tennis. 
tennis shoes, yeah. tennis shoes, and tennis shoes. But I, I feel like down here in the south, he's like, I need like, tennis shoes. I need a new pair of tennis shoes. Yeah, I probably dropped off that middle S. Sneakers, sneakers. That's oh. too northern. Right. Officers in the area received a bolo be on the lookout, which included a photo of the shoe tread. And later that day, an officer on patrol sees this man hitchhiking and pulls over to talk with him. Okay, but also a size nine tennis shoe. Like I get that that narrows it down. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, it narrows it down a little, like somewhat, but, but I don't know. Well, it's all they That's have, still Hannah. not a whole lot to yeah. go off of. Well, it, you, wait but, and, you wait and see. But, so they talk for a couple minutes, the officer and this man, and the man says that he's unemployed and he is from California and looking for a hitchhike back. So the officer says, hey, can I see the bottom of your shoes? And that's oh, Okay. Oh. Okay, that sounds weird, but when we were on the way back from Ireland one time, they asked to see the bottom of my shoes and then asked if I had been around or when was the last time I was around livestock and everything else. And I was like, it's Ireland. They're literally everywhere. Lives. Yeah. Fun fact. So the officer notices immediately that the treads match the footprint they had back at the crime scene. And uh, he asked him to come down to the police station, and this man just bolted. He well, ran. yeah, because mm-hmm. at that point, you know. Yeah. The man was caught 30 minutes later trying to hide, and he was identified as 23-year-old Alex Christopher Ewing. He was charged with attempted murder and burglary for the attack against Roy Williams, and he was held in prison while he awaited trial. Nine months later, on August 9th, Ewing is out on a prison transport bus for his first court date, and the bus stopped for gas near Henderson, Nevada, And while correction officers weren't looking, wouldn't you know it, Ewing somehow escaped. Yikes. So law enforcement searched all night, but they couldn't locate him. Then on the following day, because he just has has to murder people or has to beat people, they started receiving calls from a residential neighborhood with reports of a man trying to break into houses. And then they received a very chilling 911 call. Christopher Berry and his wife, Nancy, had turned in for the night. The couple had two children, and one was an infant, and Nancy had gotten up in the middle of the night to prepare a bottle, and when she turned on the light in the kitchen, there is a man standing there with a broken axe handle. Again, not a hammer. I don't know why he changed his MO so so quickly. It's probably whatever he gets hands on. Yeah. Nancy ran back towards the bedroom where the man followed her and started attacking Christopher with the axe handle, and she tried to help her husband by blocking some of the attacks getting both of her wrists broken in the process. She also had a fracture in her arm, and Christopher suffered extensive injuries to his face and jaw. Nancy was able to reach for the telephone and dial 911 while the attacker kept hitting her, and she repeatedly just pretended to play dead, and the attacker then suddenly flees the scene, I guess, because she was able to reach 911. He knew they'd be on their way, so he flees the scene. Thank goodness. Law enforcement then descends on the home, and Christopher and Nancy were rushed to the hospital. Thankfully, their children were unharmed, but Christopher would serve, suffer permanent damage from the attack and never fully recovered. Ewing was not found that night. He had, had eluded officers again. But two days later, on August 11th, a collect call was placed from a payphone at Lake Mead, Nevada. And the man on the other end describes having escaped from prison and is in need of help. And the operator then calls law enforcement who rushed to the area. And that is where they find Ewing, still on the payphone, and he is only wearing a pair of maroon shorts. He, he's not looking well. It appeared that the scorching Nevada heat had been catching up with him. He was sunburnt. He was covered in scrapes and scratches. He's just not doing doing good. At this point, he doesn't have a hammer. He doesn't even have a shirt or shoes. He just has on maroon Seriously. shorts. 
When Ewing saw park rangers approaching him, he tried to run. Even though he, he called, called for help. Right. Okay. Only getting a few hundred yards before collapsing because he was severely dehydrated and his body just couldn't go any further. So he was recaptured and had multiple charges added to his original charge. In 1985, he went to trial for the attacks against the Barry family, and he was convicted of two counts of attempted murder, burglary, and escape, and handed a 110-year sentence. Okay, but... Yeah, the other people. That yeah. We're, yeah, we're getting to it. I was about to say, like, mm-hmm. uh, you've got several counts of attempted murder, and, like, I get it, a 110-year mm-hmm. sentence is great, but, yeah. like... But on on attempted murder and burglary, like you might get some parole kind of stuff. Right, like, right, we, right, we right. need to get you with all those actual murders mm-hmm. you did. So in 2020, recently, Alex Ewing became eligible for parole due to overcrowding See? in the prison system. No. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, there was a new mandate in place that required all inmates to submit DNA. So finally, in 2018, 34 years later, Ewing's DNA came back to link him to the murders of the Bennett family, Patricia Smith, and the sexual assault of Donna Holm. Okay, good. Yeah. That's a good rule mm-hmm. to say you have to submit your DNA so we can like... Yeah, they s- submit it sure, to CODIS. Yeah, so that we can up. make sure, one, that there's nothing already out there that you're connected to, and two, so we've got it on file Yeah, in case you do anything else... We've already got your DNA now. They finally got him. The charges related to the Bennett murders were first since that case held the most evidence. Like I said, it was a bloodbath. There were fingerprints, bloody handprints everywhere. And during that investigation, they learned that Ewing matched the first FBI profile to a T. Ewing had been a high school dropout from Sacramento, California. He traveled to Colorado where he lived there for about a year and worked in construction. construction. Yeah. He had worked in several of the developments he had chosen to find a victim in. And at the time of the attacks, he had only been 23 years old. So young Good like job. they expected. Good job, FBI. He also had a violent criminal history dating back to 1979 for several burglaries. And he had previously been in jail for those crimes and had only just been released in 1984 before he started the killing spree. This I man mean, just like can't rest. Out. Yeah. Yeah, I wish, he, I wish he would use that hard work ethic for, like, good. You know. The trial for the Bennett murders began in August 2021, and the jury deliberated for two days and came back that he was guilty on all counts and was sentenced, this makes no sense, sentenced to 40 years for killing three people, raping a, a two little girls. He sure, gets 40 years. That, surely that can't be right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then in April 22... Uh, so this year, the trial for Patricia Smith's murder went underway, and this time the jury only deliberated for four hours before handing down a unanimous guilty verdict and added another life sentence without the possibility of parole. So he'll be in jail for the rest of his life. Good. There was a sense of relief from Ewing's surviving victims. Connie Bennett, uh, Bruce Bennett's mother, the one that stumbled upon the crime scene, she she said something that is the sickest burn I have ever heard. She said... Some people may call him an animal, but I won't because I think animals have a purpose in this world. Whoa. Mike drop Connie. Whoa. I, li- I, I mean, I, yeah. li- I like that, Connie. Facts. Don't, don't say that person was an animal. Yeah. Because Theodore's an animal and he's a freaking yeah. G. Yeah. He's sitting here just passed out while Hannah scratches him with her foot. An- yep. Little angel baby. <laughs> um, Vanessa Bennett. Uh, the the young three-year-old that survived the attack, she doesn't remember it because A, she was three years old, and B, the injuries to right. her head. But she now suffers from borderline personality disorder, PTSD, bipolar disorder, and ADHD. And she has struggled heavily with drugs to cope with the pain of losing her parents at such a young age. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. 
She was actually living under a bridge in 2018 in Arizona when she learned that Ewing had been arrested and charged with her family's murders. But today, Vanessa is clean and has been so for several years, and she is quoted as saying, I'm definitely thankful and grateful for everything that I have. I think around the age of 30 is when I tried to stop being a victim and turning it into empowering myself and turning it into being a survivor. Good. I wonder if maybe just his like conviction and stuff was the turnaround that she yeah. needed. Because if he was still out there in the world, that would be terrifying. Would always... That would be terrifying, and I would probably like be hiding under bridges and doing stuff to numb the pain too, or the yeah. fear. So, anyway, yikes! Add a new fear to my list: the war and Loki being bludgeoned to death in the middle of the night. Yeah, Theodore ain't gonna let that happen if you're in this house. Elvis would attack. Too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He would. I don't know. He sounds. He sounds ferocious. Mm-hmm. He sure does. Which I think would ward off some some badass yeah yeah the, the people in this house they just don't know about old theodore oh fifi well that was the story of thor and loki and it's doozy and uh, we'll bring you more mythology in the future there's lots yeah, we could cover just opened up the the floodgates to, to yeah. norse mythology there you go there's some weird stuff weird. we also added like loki trolls hulk yeah this episode had a lot of like sub ideas mm-hmm mm-hmm until next time, you can follow us on Instagram at Scary Tales Podcast. We can post pictures of the crime scene and just general or pictures. Just hammers. Yeah, there's there's a um, link tree on there, there, Hannah made. You can go get you some merch, spooky merch, just in time for Halloween. That's right. October's Speaking of Halloween, the Halloween is among us. Yep. You and well, I need to come up with our Halloween costume. September 11th, but yeah. Today is September 11th? Yeah. <gasps> Oh, well, we're, yeah, we're filming on I September 11th. I didn't even, I didn't even reckon. Yeah. Well, moment of silence. We'll uh, see you next week. Don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm sure it'll be spooky. Got lots of options. All right. Theodore, any last words? He's, nope. He's is asleep. he even breathing? He's yes, asleep. he is. Okay. All right. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye.